your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to Monday, Lacrosse Talk PM. Grant Bills in the studio. I'm Rick Solom, 608-785-7914, the Sugarloaf Ford talking text line. If you want to get in here, I'm going to open that talking text line. Uh, in a couple of minutes, Mayo Clinic's going to call us, Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, family medicine slash chair of outpatient services. Going to talk about Mayo changes they've made recently and, and kind of the transition Mayo's you know, gone from. A couple of transitions, actually. So we'll do that about 10 minutes, 13 minutes, actually. Uh, before that, obviously, the news kind of broke a little bit ago about an incident at Menards. I'm sure a lot of people are probably starting to hear about a little fight between, and not a ton of details here. I mean, if you want to go and dig, I have some friends digging social media for what what all happened. But a 79-year-old lacrosse man has died after an incident in the parking lot at Menards from Friday. So I believe he died today at Mayo, coincidentally. And he was fighting with a 50-year-old in the parking lot over apparently a parking spot or how their cars were parked. And there's, you know, different social media posts. Even the guy that, that was arrested, uh, 50-year-old Matt Kinsler, he's even on Facebook kind of just real quick pleading his case, maybe, so to speak, or his views of what happened. Another person is has posted what they saw happen as a witness. And if you just, if you really want to dig and find those, you can, uh, I can kind of go through them a little bit too, but Matthew Kinsler uh, arrested for substantial battery disorderly conduct. Um, I believe, well, let's just do this. Let's go to the phone, Eric. Eric from Sparta is on the phone, Grant. Let's put him on. Yeah. Who is Grant Bills anyway? Okay, thanks. Is that your call screener? No. Yeah, Eric, I've been on here for like a couple of weeks now. I talk to uh, you almost know, every are day. Are you a sports guy or what? Uh, normally, yeah. I've been over here helping Rick out yeah, the last couple of weeks. You're here to talk about sports, correct? Uh, not, not a whole lot, yeah. Okay, anyway, uh, I, I want to ask Rick if he's got a mask yet. You think that, that's the most important thing they have to stop the spread of this stuff? Does he have a mask yet? Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I sorry that cracked me up. Yeah, I was just I wanted to let it sit a minute. <laughs> I, um, I, I love that he asked a question. and It's like you know what? I don't even need to know the answer. I'm going to hop off. I, went, I made my point. I went to Menards today. They require masks. Two unrelated stories here about Menards. They now require everyone to have a mask when they go in there. Also, the Menards parking lot is almost probably at like 75 percent capacity right now, or about an hour ago, and uh, it's just you know. Pretty packed in there, so of course they're going to require everyone to wear a mask. And if you can't get a mask, they have an armed security guard at the door pointing you in the direction to go get a mask. Yeah, they make you buy them, don't they? Yeah, they're a dollar. You go to the service desk, so if you walk in without a mask at Menards, go to the left. And the security guard with his uh, weapon <laughs> at you. No, I'm just kidding. He's, he's not pointing a weapon at you. He does have a weapon, though, and uh, somebody with Menards said... People get really upset when you tell them to put on a mask. <laughs> so that was that was uh, the unofficial word from somebody at Menards that I got uh, 
to kind of talk to me. I think really we, I think we agree, it. Eric. I think we're all wanting people to wear masks. I don't, I don't think we're fighting you on that. Yeah, we're to the point now where you should start feeling guilty if you go somewhere public without a mask. I don't know about if you're like out walking the trails at Hickson. I don't. Maybe just kind of if you don't have a mask on, maybe just kind of avoid. You know, you know, interacting with people or kind of maybe like separate yourself if you have to walk by somebody. But yeah, we're to the point now in society where we should all be wearing a mask and we should feel uncomfortable if we're not wearing a mask. But we also probably shouldn't. What do we want to say? Chastise the person that doesn't have, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, like call out that person, yell at that person. I don't know if we want to do that, but. Um, Eric will do it. We can put Eric on the job. Yeah, Eric. Eric forgot who you were. He he. Two weeks ago tried to sell you one of his guitars. Yeah. And uh, now he's forgotten who you are. Eric, but, I'm hurt. And and Grant, this is Grant. This is your last week with us. It uh, is. You're back to the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY on Monday at five. Uh, do you know? Do you know what you're going to talk about? <laughs> well, what's what's great about right now is. There's very little live. Well, there's no live sports going on, so I can kind of think ahead I, of time. I don't have to wait for a game to be played to kind of start game planning what I'm going to talk about. I, so I've been writing down. What's ideas. funny is Monday's show will be the easiest show of all time. Because oh yeah, you just talk about the Jordan doc that everyone talks about, mm-hmm. and uh, Tuesday's show probably a little harder. Yeah, but once <laughs> once we run out of the Jordan doc, it's like okay, well, where do we go from here? Have you been watching that? I'm I'm just gonna save it. Okay. I'm gonna do this thing where I and it's kind of done with a documentary, right? Like, have you watched them all? Uh, so far, yeah. So, what were we through six episodes now? Yeah, three Sundays. It doesn't require one of those deals where you. Is there a cliffhanger after each episode? No, because I think by and large they tackle different topics. Okay, so it's not one of them. So it's not like a t- like a TV show. I hate. I don't want to be. I, I don't want to be glued or uh, have to be glued to my TV Sunday night at X amount of time. X time to have to watch the next episode and then wait for the and now I'm already mad at that at seasons that I've watched that are only one season in that will have another season even like stranger things mandalorian all those shows like I'm mad that I finished them because they haven't actually finished so uh, you just go start go back to the 80s and start watching those shows and then work your way up to 2020 so not only is it sunday night and we got to go to work in the morning but now we got to wait another week to see what happens with the 98 chicago bulls you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. on top of that now the week's about to start i don't like sunday night sunday night football is perfect like i can watch a, a football game that kind of closes out the week and then i can go back to to class or work the next day football's okay anything else i don't i don't love sunday night i wish it was on like monday or tuesday you should make a note of 5:12 p.m. when you said we the appointment the appointment viewing of having to watch what happened to the 98 bulls the the, the irony <laughs> of that whole entire sentence is exactly. very funny that'll be a good wisco sports show promo when you start up in a week yeah i can let you know what happened with that 98 bulls team if you missed the night before yeah um, all right so i think All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, 608-785-7914, the talk and text line. If you have questions for Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald from Mayo Clinic Health System in Lacrosse, text them. Grant will try to navigate those texts and if they're relevant and we can squeeze them in, we'll definitely do that. How's it going, Dr. Fitzgerald? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Are you the guy that we were talking to last week on a Zoom meeting or was that somebody else? I think that was my friend, Doctor Moling, who's probably doing a good job. Oh, okay, because there was there was two doctors in there. One had his name in the Zoom, and then the other guy had like a default Zoom name. And I was like, "Who is this guy?" And I thought maybe that was you, but it was like you know J seven four one three. And I was like, "Oh yeah, he's very official at Mayo." Yeah, right. Um, okay, so you guys you guys have Mayo Clinic has opened up 
to elective surgeries and I, I guess is that kind of the the main focus for you guys right now is that transition? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's been a you know, real whirlwind for um both our employees, our patients and really the community in general. Um when when COVID first started you, know, you saw the what was happening in uh, Seattle and what was happening in New York, and you you know use those models for our own communities. We were worried about you know having uh, two or three hundred um, ICU patients in in the two facilities in town, uh, and, and that would have been a real um, challenge for us to serve those folks. Uh, thankfully, with the governor's order um, and with uh, the the way our community has <clears throat> excuse me come together, uh, we've as a community behaved exceptionally well. And uh, if you look at the curve here uh, in our part of the Midwest, but especially in our part of Wisconsin, um, with the exceptions of Winona that's had a little bit of trouble in, in Northeast Iowa, our curve is as flat as anywhere in the whole country. Uh, so, it, you know, it's really a, a testament to our community uh, that people um, came together and listened and really behaved and, and uh, you know, followed uh, the recommendations of, of the governor and, and the, uh, the medical people um, such that we didn't have that curve. Uh, the models, as you look going forward, our Mayo Clinic epidemiologists have looked at the models even for our specific region, and what that means is we're going to have a real plateau rather than a, top, a steep curve like in New York City. So we may be dealing with some of this illness uh, off and on you know, through the summer into the fall. Uh, so in medicine... Um, you know, we take care of patients every day, and you don't, can only defer that care for so long. Um, the other thing that's really come up as a, as a topic is, you know, a second curve of non-COVID illness, where if you don't take care of uh, patients with, with chronic illness and with uh, serious medical conditions, uh, they're going to end up with um, illness and, and um, you know, major medical problems just due to lack of care. So once it became apparent that we're going to, you know, have a, you know, a slower, longer um, uh, experience with the COVID virus, uh, it, it came pretty apparent that we that we need to get back open and, and take care of some patients um, and do it in a very safe uh, manner um, and make sure you have very strict procedures around it to make sure that everything's done um, in a way that's safe for both uh, both our staff and our patients. Now, I have the luxury of having a cough button, so every time I cough in here or clear my throat, I just turn it off, turn the mic off. We've got you on on. Uh you know, on record here, you're clearing your throat. So you're going to have to get tested now, doctor, or uh, will you have to go through some quarantining? What's going on here? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, you know, even those of us um, kind of behind the curtain laugh, um, you know, kind of tongue in cheek because, you know, there's, there's a lot of symptoms that now have been um, expanded into what's needed for testing. Um, you know, it started out with just fever and a cough, and, and now it's, you know, you know, many things that can go into um, something that you would, if you talk to one of our nurses and ask about screening, would be positive. Um, but, but I think there's reasons for that. And I think you know, if you listen to, you know, Governor Evers, uh, he would say that, you know, he'd like to have a lot more testing done. And I think, uh, you know, rapidly we've really increased our capacity for testing, um, and that's been a real success story. You know, the drive-up clinics here in town, I think, kept sick people out of our facilities. And really, those few folks uh, in our communities uh, that were positive were pretty easy to isolate. And we really identified those people really, really quickly. And I think that allowed us to really limit the, the spread uh, here in our community and really is a success story. I've been reading some stories and not so much. I don't know if the, if the, if the consensus here is this, but 
you, you know, you talk about those places that are really hard hit, and then people are scared to even go to the hospital because there's a virus there, and people don't, you know, I even if I have if I have something else wrong with me and I feel like I need to call an ambulance or I need to go in, I don't really want to. I'm going to put it off because the the virus outbreak. I don't know if that's the case in lacrosse, but is the, do you do you have any? I don't know. Have you experienced that? Anyone just having a fear of coming to the hospital because the virus is out there? Yeah, I think that that was uh, definitely um, a very common uh, thought in the community, especially when we first, you know, first started, you know, doing this. Um, you know, the good news is uh, our first responders, you know, both the paramedics and the police and the fire department, all of those first responders, I think, you know, as always, have done an excellent job. And I think we committed early on, we talked to uh, the local police chiefs, the fire chief, um, and all the paramedics, and if they had any uh, perceived exposure or any symptoms, they were tested right away. And we could know, you know, whether or not they, they were positive within 12 hours. So that's reassuring to folks that, you know, if you need an ambulance, you know, your ambulance staff is going to be, you know, have been screened and, and you're not going to get exposed just by seeking medical care. I think the other thing as we've gone forward, you know, we went almost two weeks without a positive test in La Crosse County. Uh, so, you know, if you look to getting back to taking care of patients in our facilities, you have to, you know, we have very, you know, specific ground rules around cleaning and spacing and masking. And um, as you've seen in the media, the Mayo Clinic is very serious about masking, uh, and everyone who enters our facility has to wear a mask, employees and patients. And it limits the exposure, even if you'd had someone who was uh, either a positive uh, COVID person with te- symptoms or, you know, someone who was an asymptomatic uh, COVID patient, the chance of spread is very, very low. Um, we have cleaning procedures around all of our patient care facilities where those things are continuously cleaned through the day um, multiple times per hour. Um, so there's very, you know, we're, we're making sure our facilities are safe for patients to get to. And it's really a process reassuring, you know, both our staff and patients that um, as you do have folks seeking medical care, that we don't want to delay and we don't want to uh, have people not you know, receiving, that it's safe to go do that in our facilities. And um, I think going forward, uh, again, as we look through some of those policies, it, it, it mitigates the risk. It makes the risk less, but it doesn't make it zero but we want to get it as close to zero as possible. Um, you know, and it's, I think it's, you know, because the, our community has done so well and there's been little uh, virus in our community, it is safe to come to our facilities at this point. Speaking with Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, Mayo Clinic Health System. So what I'm hearing here, doctor, is that if Mike Pence had visited lacrosse, you guys would have just escorted him out without that mask on, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I appreciate the vice president uh, coming and showing support for, uh, for, you know, for patients and for, I think, you know, people on the front line of medical care. But the Mayo Clinic's policy is for all, everyone to wear masks in their facilities. Do you, do you agree with the fact that uh, places like Menards and, and others are requiring everyone now to wear masks? That's just a smart thing to do. I don't know if everyone can get a mask, but it just seems, it just seems like a, you know, the, the way we all need. Should we feel guilty if we're out and about without a mask on at this point? You know, the CDC recommends that uh, everyone out who's out in public, especially if you're going to be uh, anywhere, you know, within six feet of another person or, you know, in a public area where there's multiple people, uh, that wearing a mask is the right thing to do. Um, I think the way to think about it is, uh, you know, everyone wants to protect themselves. Nobody wants to get COVID. Um, certainly nobody wants to get ill and need to be in the hospital on a ventilator. Uh, but there are people who are vulnerable in our communities. And I think, you know, 
putting a mask on um, not only shows concern for yourself, but it shows concern for your neighbor. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's always a good thing to do. Uh, if anything can help with, you know, the public health, uh, it's as simple as putting a mask on. You know, it's, it's, I would recommend it. Um, you know, you always temper that with you know, our personal freedoms that we take uh, for granted here in the U.S. And, you know, we're blessed to live where we live. But if it's as simple as putting a mask on, you know, and you can go anywhere on YouTube and figure out how to make a mask, I think that's not a, not a big thing to ask for people who are out, uh, out and about uh, get, trying to get back to their as close to their normal lives as they can. With you guys reopening the hospital, I understand you're doing, you know, reopening the hospital to stuff like elective surgeries. And I'm sure there's other things that I'm just that's the, the, the key phrase there that's in my head. Um, do you have a big backlog of stuff that you have to catch up on? I know when I talked to you, uh, a couple of you guys at Mayo on Thursday or Friday, there was about a month backlog for certain things. But do you do you guys foresee like, hey, we really got to ramp this up? We got to get these people in and out because you know, like, we're just in case, you know, just the, as long as we're open, we should we should be working maybe overtime to get everyone through. Yeah, I think you know, you know, part of the message uh, that that went out was that we are open to you know taking care of things like elective procedures. But really, the focus, more importantly, is on those patients, you know, that we didn't get to see for a period of time because we were doing what we thought was safe for everybody. And, and those are the patients that really are the priority to get back into the practice, uh, to make sure the chronic, is, chronic illnesses are taken care of, you know, to make sure that if people had a surgical issue, you know, if you had a cancer, you know, if there was, you know, something that, you know, people are really suffering with, um, something that a surgical procedure could help, that we get those back, people back on the schedule and, and serve those patients. Um, I think our experience is going to tell us, uh, you know, with the screening that we're doing, um, that everything is going to be safe. And, and as that happens, you know, we can expand to do more and more things that would be categorized as elective. You, uh, but really the priority is taking care of those patients that really need our care. Do you have to have, do you, do you test these people if they have to come in, if they have to do a surgery? Do they have to quarantine for a couple of weeks? Um, is there, is, what's the standard there? Because... You, you, obviously, you don't. You're not exactly sure where these people have been when they come to the hospital. And then, if you're going to perform surgery or something else on them, you want to make sure that you know everyone's safe. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, you know, the Mayo Clinic epidemiologists have uh, developed a protocol where we do test patients um, before they come in. They're screened for illness multiple times before they come in for their procedure, and they're really supposed to kind of stay in their homes and uh, keep to themselves to really limit the exposure prior to their procedure. And the combination of all those things, I think, limits uh, the chance remarkably of them having any type of illness when they come in for those procedures. You know, things are not emergent. You know, if, if you need an emergent surgery, you have to have your surgery. But if there's something that we could safely put off for a week or two until illness is gone, you know, screening for those things and, and, and doing that procedure when it's appropriate, I think, is the right thing to do. So all those things are in place. I think that's what's really helping us make this safe. Your rules are different here in Wisconsin versus, say, Rochester in Minnesota. The rules are a little different. And I know, like, if somebody had an emergency, they would be able to go to the hospital. But maybe maybe you guys aren't so backed up if you get through some of this stuff and the orders remain the same. Would you ever bring, like, hey, okay, hey, Rochester has some of these patients, you know, they can't go there, but, you know, we can have them over here, so come on over and we'll, you know, do whatever they need to get done uh, in the Wisconsin clinic. Yeah, I think, you know, being an integrated health system, um, you know, we do work with our partners not only in Rochester, but in uh, Eau Claire and Mankato and, and Austin, Albert Lee, some of those other sites. 
Um, and it does allow us some flexibility from an equipment standpoint. And, you know, we've really um, benefited from being in part of a larger um, system as far as the personal, personal protective equipment. Um, so, you know, there's some possibilities that you could, you know, not only maybe patients would go from one region to another, but maybe some of our, uh, our talent, maybe some of our providers might have to you know, help where the need is, is necessary. And I, and I think the principle would be we'll, we'll take care of patients where they need to be taken care of. Um, and we'll just, you know, focus on what's right for the patients and, and, and do the right thing. And then lastly, before we let you go, the, the idea that, you know, when, when you guys had to adjust the first time, like, hey, the rules have come down. Okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to do, do some of this stuff remotely. Is this going to change the way hospitals conduct business because they find, hey, this, you know what, this is way more efficient than having somebody come in here. We can do this over the phone or over a video chat or maybe there's other, there's other layers to this where you guys have, have adjusted the first time and have, have figured out that, you know, with, with a, you know, even society with a lot of people, you know what, these people can work at home and, and, and be just as, as or if not more effective. Is that the case in any degree with the hospital? Have you guys seen some stuff that's more effective? Yeah, it's been a remarkable experiment. Uh, you know, and I, I have to, you know, pat uh, and appreciate, pat on the back my employees and, and appreciate the people I work with because over a period of eight weeks, we really changed the practice uh, remarkably, uh, you know, when there was a need. Um, and we went from last year doing a total of uh, six video visits in our entire region for Mayo Clinic um, Last week, or it was a, last week, we did over 500 um, in per week. So I mean, it was a, it was a ramp up, and our um, CEO and, and of Mayo uh, has stated all along that we'd like to be doing that type of medicine by uh, 2030. Um, we really did it all within about six to eight weeks and made that change. So it was a remarkable. Um, remarkable transformation. And I think we learned a lot that we don't want to uh, throw away. Um, you know, there are patients who uh, go south for the winter. There are patients who are homebound that have a difficult, difficult time coming to see us. Um, and if we can serve those patients with, um, you know, the phone or video and new creative ways of doing things, I think we're going to continue to do that. You guys don't want to be too efficient. If your CEO is setting goals by 2030 and you're, you're doing stuff in eight weeks, he's going to expect a lot more from you guys. you gotta, you got to tone it down a little bit, Kevin. Isn't that something? Maybe we should get a vacation, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I don't see coming in the near future. I think we're going to be pretty darn busy. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's remarkable what um, people can do when they put their heads together, um, when there really is a need and you're, and you're forced to change things. It, it, it's remarkable. And I'm sure that, you know, medicine has done this um, in all of the healthcare systems in our region. But I bet if you went to ask some of the construction places and really even talk to you know, some of our local, um, local uh, factories pivoted from what they generally do to making masks and, and face shields, it is remarkable what can people people can do uh, when necessity arises, and you know our community is a great example of that. And it just makes me feel blessed and pleased that I live where I live. Doctor Kevin Fitzgerald, Mayo Clinic Health System, Family Medicine slash Chair of Outpatient Practice. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. See you later. Now let's take a break, and we're going to make Grant Bills read the news here in a minute. If you guys want to listen to that, we'll be back right here on Wisdom. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, 608-785-7914. Just had a pretty good conversation with Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald from Mayo Clinic Health System about the 
changes that Mayo has undergone probably multiple times, right? Like, okay, we have the change for the virus. Now we can start to roll back some of those changes. And, and then on top of that, hey, look at some of these changes that we made that are making our jobs way more efficient. And maybe we'll just keep doing these. I thought it was pretty interesting, Grant. He said uh, the CEO gave, gave you know, the, the clinic Mayo by 2030 to have these this this uh, video outpatient, I don't know what you want to call it, like video conferencing for, for patients, and, and they did it in eight weeks. So um, th- I thought that was pretty interesting, and, and maybe, you know, it just shows how, how easy it is to change some things when, when you're forced to do it. Uh, what did you think of that conversation? I know you, you said your mom works in healthcare, and I, I don't know if you had any, any thoughts to that conversation, Grant. Yeah, well, my mom has been well, she's worked in healthcare for her entire life, but the, the last couple of weeks have been interesting because she doesn't deal with COVID patients. She's actually an ear doctor. So hearing her story as things have progressed is interesting. I, I guess the one thing that I was made me turn my head a little bit listening to Dr. Fitzgerald and it confused me and I'm not trying to be critical of our guest at all, but he mentioned a second wave that could possibly come, right? Well, he said, well, the more we push off some of these surgeries, some of these procedures, you know, routine health care that's not related to the coronavirus, then we're going to see a wave in a couple of months of health problems that have arised from that. And, and I guess my like what confused me is you should have seen that coming. He, he made it sound like now they're realizing, well, if we don't get these people care, we're going to have issues down the line. That seems so common sense to me. Right. I, th- that shouldn't be something that we're only realizing now. So w- with a family member in health care and, and, and hearing kind of the struggles that that my mother has gone through and and how it's been handled where she works. It's just a little confusing because that seems common sense to me. I don't know why we're surprised by that. Yeah. To to bring in these people, if they were, you know, I I know he did say people that are suffering. So if they're suffering, let's, let's get get them into the hospital and, and, end their suffering, so to speak, not end their total suffering, but um, yeah, get them, get them some treatment. So yeah, I thought that was odd. And, and the whole idea that, um, we, we have different rules based on a river, right? The the river has changed the rules. Minnesota can't do certain things, and Wisconsin can do certain things. And I don't want to get into a whole health insurance debate, but I'm sure there's people in Rochester that go to Mayo Clinic that go, you know, I could go get seen at the Wisconsin Clinic. They're open, or the Eau Claire cl- Clinic. Why don't – can you guys just send me that way? And then I'm sure there would be in, like an insurance issue where they would – no, they're out of our district or whatever, whatever you want to call that. So – um, all right, I think Main Street Guy is calling in. I know, Main Street Guy, I'm sorry we didn't get to your text. You you wanted to ask the, the doctor. Yeah, yeah, um, you said you were going to take calls. Well, it's, well it's, I'm going to pass the blame to Grant. <laughs> I was going to pass the blame to Grant. That's fair. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to blame it on Grant. But I also have to give Grant a gold star because that is the number one issue. You're, you're We're all sitting here touting, tell a, you know, these uh, these um, long distance uh, checkups and doctor visits. Telehealth. There's no blood pressure reading. There's no there's no blood test. There's no blood pressure reading. You might be able to look at their eyes and you know. Come on, this is not a doctor's visit. You're going to miss all the things that are truly important to discover what's wrong with that person. And like I said the last time I called, we're missing all those new cancers all those new uh, diabetes diagnosis, all this stuff that's going to happen. So, yeah, we're going to get a wave. It might not be COVID, but we're going to get a wave of the result of not doing our jobs for the last two months. 
Yeah, and hopefully, this, is, this hopefully, is not good. Well, hopefully that wave will be not so big. I mean, we we talked about before the April seventh election. Should we make people go vote in person? And then the April seventh election came, and I think you know the last story I saw was some fifty people had ended up with the virus who happened to be also voting in person. You know, we can't trace it exactly back to the voting in person, but fifty people out of however many people voted in person isn't very many. So hopefully that same right, but but. But, Rick, you have to look at how many cancers and diabetes diagnoses and all these things that occur right. every week at a medical institution and then multiply that by how many weeks we're out. Yeah, I mean, and I'm saying that's what I'm we're saying, missing right now. And I'm saying hopefully that wave isn't as big, right? Like you're, you're predicting. Uh, I hope. You, you're hoping the same thing, but you, you're kind of making it sound like that wave might be huge, and it might be. But, you know, like like we could hold our breath and hope. Hopefully, it, it's not hold our breath and dive under that wave, so to speak. Um, okay. And the other question I would have asked him is if he has any problem with the way uh, coronavirus deaths are being recorded. In fact, in fact, I you know I listen to Pritzker to our neighbor to the south. Uh, you know, Governor Pritzker does you know his coronavirus thing, and there's a woman that appears with him. I don't know if she's from the NIH or what she's from. But she pretty much, somebody asked the question about, you know, are, are you just anybody who dies that simultaneously has the virus, are you recording that as a coronavirus death? And she said, yes, we are. So if that's the case, that represents a serious problem to me. You're, yeah, affiliating any death with coronavirus death. I remember reading another story that maybe it was out of Wisconsin that said, uh, you know, there was this many deaths, wh- whatever the, the time frame was. And then they actually made a note to report that one of the deaths happened. They That person had the virus, but it was reported that they died for other causes. So I, I don't I you know, I don't know how how accurate or inaccurate the hospitals are doing or, or if they're I feel like they're trying to be by the books by this. I, I feel like if they're not going by the books, somebody's going to catch them and that's going to be a serious offense. So. Um, I feel like there's rules in place and, you know, just to go, eh, well, make them all COVID-19 deaths and hopefully we get funding. Like I've heard all those kind of conspiracy theories and they seem a little bit whacked out because these are, these are pretty serious issues and everyone's looking at this you know, from every angle. So to try to slip one by, you know, just to get for whatever reason, uh, just seems a little bit irresponsible and I don't, I don't feel like you know, these health systems are are doing that. I would, I would tend to agree about the COVID numbers. I, if they're a little bit inflated, whatever, maybe that makes people pay attention, but I, but I hope they're not drastically inflated. I've been going back and forth a little bit with Joe on the talk and text line. And normally Joe and I are arguing, but today we actually agree on something going back to that idea of healthcare, right? That we're going to have a spike in other issues down the line because we're putting off care. I guess, I guess it comes down to this point, Rick, why is healthcare not being treated like an essential industry? Tony Evers, the governor, is, has agreed that we're going to open up small engine repair shops and pet grooming services and this and that. And I'm like, wait, but we're still not allowing people to get checkups or health care that they absolutely need, even if it's not related to coronavirus. Why are we prioritizing? And once again, that's not anti-small business. Why are we prioritizing those businesses over health care? Right. We're not letting these people get the care they need. Yeah, probably because the people with the virus go to the same place. <laughs> Maybe just as simple as that. Uh, but I agree to, to a point. But how many how many people are hospitalized with Corona? I, I have the numbers in front of me. If you give me two seconds, there's currently 
There's nobody well, hospitalized nope. in, in La Crosse County nope. with COVID-19. There's nobody from La Crosse County hospitalized with the virus. That's, well, there are two different things. Does that make sense? There's nobody currently hospitalized. Yeah. From La Crosse County. There from, are people with the virus in our hospitals right now. Okay. Well, I'm assuming that it's not that, what, five, five right. people? Yeah. And, and and wasn't it just a couple of months ago, right, Gunderson and, and, and um, Mayo? And, of course, if you want to talk about other hospitals in other counties— they, their whole game plan was all right. Here's where the here's where we're going to send the COVID patients. We're gonna we're gonna let them go down this hallway, and we're gonna keep them separate from this. Like, weren't we we planned for this? We were prepared for this. So I, I just don't get why we're rejecting care. We're not allowing doctors to do their job and and for people to receive care. Meanwhile, we're opening up other businesses. Healthcare should certainly come first. Yeah, and the the, the stat. I don't know if you read the stat during the news. Good job, by the way, on doing the news. Thank you. Um, the one stat coming out of Minnesota, and I don't have the stat for Wisconsin. I'm sorry, but the uh, the state reported 419 deaths so far from the virus in Minnesota. Of those deaths, 338 of those have come from long term care or assisted living facilities. Which is a staggering amount, right? Almost, almost, uh, you know, three hundred thirty-eight out of the four hundred nineteen. I can't do that percentage, um, but but that seems like a, just a ton of people coming. And then and then if you look at like the meatpacking plants, there was another story about that uh, South Dakota plant. All of a sudden, had eight hundred cases of the virus. So obviously, it's it's coming from these places where uh, we have we have just a, a lot of people congregating. You know, and yeah, you got to wonder. That's probably why Menards makes uh, people wear masks. All right, let's take another break. Uh, we're getting pretty late in the show, so we'll get a, we'll a break and wrap up after this. I'm with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. You want to get in here? A couple of minutes left. 608-785-7914. We're kind of doing two different shows, and they're both really interesting. And I don't even know which way to go, but I did want to read this. This Menards incident came out today. A 79-year-old has ended up dying from essentially being beat up in the Menards parking lot last Friday. He, he died at Mayo today, allegedly, and or not allegedly. He did do, he did die. Um, how exactly the the fight happened at the parking lot, how or why, is is still up in the air. The police say it was because of a a parking spot. He parked too close, and there there is a Facebook post out there, and I'll I'll just kind of hit the highlights of. I guess a witness or a witness, a friend of a witness, and and what they write a little bit was they were leaving Menards. They saw an altercation between a younger guy and older guy, so 50-year-old and 79-year-old, so two older guys but one way older. Uh, The younger one accused the older one of hitting his car. Again, I'm reading a Facebook post on here. So, I mean, if they were were making this up, it would be a ridiculous thing to make up, but they would get a lot of uh, shares on it. Uh, But they were – the older one – accused the younger one the younger one accused the older one of hitting his car then he chest bumped the older guy took his cane and hit him over the head with it uh they saw the the person saw this dropped everything ran over to kind of help the older guy then those two started yelling and ironically the person that tried to help the other guy the older guy and then started yelling at the younger guy had to be taken you know kind of pulled back because then he wanted to beat up the other guy so I mean that would have just kind of a, a water a, a snowball snowballing of, of fighting in the parking lot. So that's kind of one one uh, witness account supposedly that's on Facebook. But the guy that did get in the fight with the older guy, his name Matthew Kinsler, he did post on Facebook this afternoon. A guy hit my car. I asked him if he hit my car. Out of nowhere, he punches me twice. Then he swings his walking stick at my face. I caught it and forced his swing the other the other end to hit himself in the head, and he went down. So he must have caught the cane or whatever. 
Um, and when he did that, hit hit him with the other side of the cane. So it's kind of interesting to kind of you, you get the one person's witnessing this from a, a back a little bit as they come out of a store, you know, and then you get the guy that actually, you know, was the, was one of the persons in the people in the altercation that that uh, you know their side of the story. So it'll be interesting to see how this thing works out i know there are other stories with this matthew kinsler and and people are telling me you know texting me that he's got a a little bit of a rap sheet and i know there was a there was a tribune story from a while back uh about him kicking a dog that seems a little bit i don't know so whatever i mean if you want to go back to 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 pass history from this guy you can um but uh, you know the police will will definitely make make uh their determination to see what happens Maybe we'll get some more information on that. Also, that you know, person in Sparta was found dead at the the grocery store there too. So we're kind of waiting for information on there. Somebody, I did hear again. I'm just hearing stuff that somebody said that that guy was uh, homeless. So, all right, that's all the time we got. We'll be back again tomorrow to do it all over again. See you guys.